Thanks for joining us. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being part of our services today. Summer is here. You guys feeling it? Woo! Summer's the best 10 months of the year in Corpus Christi. And it is in full swing. So welcome. Thanks for being church at church today. Also, I want to say hello to all of our God Behind Bars guys. Let's give it up for those guys real quick. We love you guys. Grateful for you. Pull out your notes because I want to dive right in. I've got a lot of stuff to cover today. I'm excited about this. I want to help you take the pressure off in your life because I believe that many of us are under a lot of pressure and we're busy and we're kind of overwhelmed. And so we're talking about running on empty and the first thing you got to do is quit running. And so that's part of this too. It's not only to be refilled, but what good does it do if you're just running, running, running all the time? And so there's a better way to live. So we're going to talk about that today. Pull out your notes if you would. Let's say our mission statement together as a church. What are we here to do? We're to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. I want to do, say a quick thank you, by the way, uh, to, across all of our campuses. Thank you for your sacrifice this last couple of weeks as well because we were able to send a ton of kids to camp. All the scholarship money came in. Thank you very much for giving. I'm grateful because there's a lot of kids going to camp. If you are in high school, there are a few spots left. Junior high, no, they're totally jammed and they're already on their way. But if you're in high school, remember it starts Wednesday. You have a shot still to go. And so sign up today. I just told you scholarships have been coming too. So don't let money stop you. And so find someone out in the atrium if you have a high school student that really wants to go. We're taking a ton more high school than we've ever taken before in the history of our camp, which means you're gonna know people when you get there, I promise you. I'm not gonna know them, yes, you will. There's tons of kids from your school, I guarantee you that. So make sure that you, you go to that, it's gonna be great event. So be sure to be part of that and be praying all week for our students as they are uh, experiencing God in a fresh new way. So let's talk about taking the pressure off today because I believe that many of us have fallen into three myths that are causing us to run at a hurried pace. These three myths affect every one of us and so I want to talk about that today and then we're going to shift gears after that. And so how do you take the pressure off? The first thing you need to do is learn to be content. Would you write that down? We want to learn to be content. Now if I would have said last week, next week's message is called learn to be content. No one would come. Because we think contentment means don't have goals, don't have dreams, don't, ha don't have aspirations, just settle down, don't shoot for anything big. That's not what contentment means. Contentment has to do with your happiness wherever you are in the stages of life, whether things are going good or bad. That's what contentment is all about. And so look at the scripture on this. Paul says this in Philippians 4. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances, where the rockets win, where the rockets lose. Okay. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty, ka-ching, ching, bling, bling, or whether in want, right? But then he says this famous line. Did you know that all that contentment talk was right before he said this most famous line, where he said, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So the very first thing Paul does before he talks about, you can do anything through Christ, before he says that, he says, first of all, let's get all this, this concept of I got to be happy by having a lot of stuff or by my circumstances being all great all the time. He goes, that doesn't matter. Settle that aside. doesn't matter. Then he says, you can do everything through Christ. What he's saying is you're going to have good times. You're going to have bad times. You can get through both through Christ. Isn't that good to know that? And so, but we have to first learn contentment has nothing to do with your circumstances. It has to do with your position in your mind, the way you view the world, the way you view your situation. So whether things are going great or going bad, you can still be content. So how do we then shift to contentment? We first have to blow up these three myths that are a huge deal that I think anyone that lives in the westernized culture is dealing with these three myths. So let's just talk about those. Uh, please write this down. Your outward pace is directly tied to your inner peace. 
your outward pace is directly tied to your inner peace. If you run, 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 you probably won't have peace on the inside. That's a, that's a definite giveaway that you're missing some inner peace. So what are those myths? Here's the first myth. Myth number one, having more will make me more happy. Oh, this is a huge myth, isn't it? Oh, if I just had that house in that neighborhood. If I just had that car. Oh, if I could just, you know, ladies, if, I, if you just had that blouse. Man, if you just had the Kate Spade. You know, that, that's, you, you got to have the name brand, right? Oh, man, if you could just have, right? And guys do the same thing. If I had those sneakers, if I had that car, if I had that job, if I had. And so we're always thinking, if I just had this. I have a friend of mine that he's a little snarky. And his wife will say, oh, I really wish I had this. And then he'll smile and go, and then you'll be happy. Of course, she wants to slap him, right? But it's a really good thing to add on to whatever it is you're wanting so bad because it, it really helps you fight the concept that, oh, I guess that wouldn't really make me happy. Like, I may want it, but it's not going to satisfy my soul. Like, my, my car, I love my car. I bet you love your car, too, because that's why you bought it, because you like it, right? So I bought my car because I like it. And so, but honestly, I've had my car a couple years now. I kind of forgot how nice it was, and I just drive it now. So every once in a while, someone goes, hey, I like your car. And I'm like, oh, thank you. I kind of forgot that it was, I mean, it's not crazy, but I like it. It's a forerunner. And to me, I was like, oh, if I just had a forerunner, it'd be so cool. And now I have it. And it's like, yeah, it's cool. I like it. But it's not like world changing, right? Remember when you want one of that house that you live in now so badly? You're like, oh, if I just could live in that neighborhood, if I could just upgrade to that home, right? And so then you do that and you're like, now it's just, it's your home. I mean, it's nice. You know, I'm sure you like where you live, but it's still just a house, just a car. And so at the end of the day, they're not going to satisfy your soul. I'm not trying to say you won't find some satisfaction in the things you have. There's nothing wrong with that, enjoying what you have. But oftentimes we're trying to satisfy a deeper need and there's not enough items in the world to do that. So we have to realize that having more stuff is not going to make you happy. Do you remember the day that, that you were dreaming of the income you're starving on now? Think about that. There, there, there's a day you're like, oh, if I could just make this much money. And now you make that much money and you're like, oh, wow, my bills actually match what I make. So I don't really feel like I'm wealthy. Are you that way? Like you, you had this level of income, like, oh, if I could just get, I remember graduating from college, if I could just make this much money. I was like, oh, I'll never need anything if I just make this much money. And, and now I, I'm over that and I'm like, wow, I can't believe I thought that was going to be enough. <laughs> Anyone else relate to what I'm talking about? You, you can't make the happiness thing about what you make or what you have. Look at scripture. It says Proverbs 23, 4. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. And so this doesn't mean you don't have dreams and goals. It just means you have to understand that they're not going to satisfy your deep soul, especially if it's just about stuff. Ecclesiastes 4, 6 in today's English version says this. It is better to have only a little with peace of mind than to be busy all the time with both hands trying to catch the wind. Wow, that's hard to catch the wind, isn't it? Trying to catch the wind is like thinking my next purchase will satisfy me. It just won't. Oh, but if I just had that outfit. I know that you think, oh, that outfit's so nice. It's so amazing. I know, but three years from now, it's still going to sell in the garage sale. You're like, no, no, it's a polo shirt. You're right. It won't be a dollar. It'll be three dollars. <laughs> in other words, I mean, it's just, it's, gonna, it's not going to satisfy your soul. You're going to go through it, and then it's going to be over. And so we oftentimes fall for the fallacy. This is having more will make me happy. So number one, write this down, please. Choose to be happy without having to need more stuff. You can have more stuff. Just choose to be happy whether you, whether you have it or not. That's really what we're talking about. There was a guy who uh, smoked, and he went outside to have a smoke break. And a friend of his came out and saw him smoking. And rather than tackling the health issue, he instead said, Hey, uh, how long have you been smoking? The guy just lit one up. He's like, oh, About 30 years. 
He was like, 30 years you've been smoking? He goes, yeah. He says, okay, like how much does a pack of cigarettes cost? So we told him the number. And he's like, and how many do you smoke a month, roughly? He told him, he pulled his calculator on his phone. He did the math. He's like, do you know that you've spent $1,900 a year for cigarettes for 30 years? If you would have invested that at 8% in the stock market over the last 30 years, you'd have $250,000. You could literally have a Ferrari paid for. The guy was like, really? <laughs> he's like, yeah, I can't believe you're doing that. And the guy goes, oh, well, do you smoke? He goes, no. And he goes, well, where's your Ferrari? <laughs> Isn't it funny how we can kind of judge someone for their foolish financial decision? But we have our own. It's not like we're doing better with our money. You know, like, well, if you would invest that. Well, did you invest it? Okay, then why are you getting on me about that? Like, isn't it funny? Like, I can talk to you about don't buy this or that, but then there's areas you can look at my life and I'll be like, hey, 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 whoa, 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 don't talk about that, right? We all have kind of sacred areas where we want to overspend. And there's nothing wrong with having things that, you know, like we all have certain things that we really like that are nicer than others. But again, it's fine to have it. There's nothing wrong with owning things. Just make sure the things don't own you because it's not going to satisfy your soul. Myth number two, doing more will make me more important. Oh, a lot of people fall into this one. Ecclesiastes 4 says in, in the New Living, better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. So oftentimes we're going, going, going because we think somehow if I'm busy, I'm more important. Look at the scripture on this. Jeremiah 2 says, slow down. Take a deep breath. What's the hurry? Why wear yourself out? Just what are you after anyway? But you say, I can't help it. I'm addicted to false gods. Now, we would never call this a false god, but it really is. And here, here's, here's my challenge for you. You may think, oh, this isn't me. I, I'm not busy so I can be important. But, but are, are you sure about that? Let me challenge you on that. Let me just ask you a question. Are there any super moms in the room? You know the mom that like, I'm the homeroom mom and I don't just take cupcakes to the class. Oh no, mine are all homemade from scratch. And they all have their names written in them. And they're all perfect in this giant display. I walk up and, and no mom can compare to what I do. <laughs> I bet there's some super moms in the house today. And so you want to be perfect and, and you're all in for the kids. Now, that's great to be a good mom. I'm not saying it's bad. But, but are you so committed to it because you think somehow if I'm homeroom mom of the year, then I'm important. I bet there's some super dads in the room too. You're the coach of every one of your kids' teams, right? <laughs> Have you ever met a super dad? And you, maybe your kids on the team, I was never the super dad when it comes to sports, but you know, we did sports, organized sports. And so this is dad's like, everyone get over here and they get all the dads, they're gonna go, all right guys, we gotta take this serious. When you get equipment, you can't be late to practice. And you're like, excuse me, dude, you know we're talking about six-year-olds, right? <laughs> but they're like, oh no, I'm super dad. And we're super committed and we're all in. It's gonna be awesome because I'm important. I'm a big deal. I'm super dad. How about super volunteer? Now, I've got to be careful on this one because I don't want you to quit your volunteer position here at the church. <laughs> but my challenge for you, are, are you volunteering an extra hour, which is great, which is what we ask. We really appreciate that. This whole church is run by volunteers. Can we give it up for our volunteers real quick? We would not be able to do what we do without volunteers. It's true. But I want to talk to the volunteer who feels it necessary to work two services, three services, four services, putting hours on top of that. In other words, I, I, I get it that you want to volunteer. Thank you. That's a huge game changer. But if you're working 
four and five services giving your whole weekend to the church. Thank you. I appreciate your heart behind that. But I have a question for you. At some point, did your heart change and you begin to think, if I volunteer this much, then I'm more important? Because it's great to serve the Lord. And I think we should all do that. But please don't think that you're important because you give a certain amount of hours around here or in your community or in politics or, or, or at your kid's school or, or at whatever you're, you're into. Because if, 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 if activity is what makes you important, the problem with that is then, then you can't say no. And anytime someone says, hey, can you help out with this? Then even though you know you're totally swamped, you're so busy, you have no time, you'll find yourself going, sure. <laughs> Knowing you can't do it. And so then you show up and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. And I mean, super moms, super dad. Listen, I just want to encourage you, please get some scissors, cut your cape off. No one's super. That mom collapses or has no marriage because she's so much about being mom, right? Or the dad who sacrifices all career for the little league, right? Or maybe you're super employee and you're like, I gotta be at everything, be on every committee, be in every meeting because then I'm, I stay relevant. And you know, as we get older, we get worried about this whole relevant thing. Am I still relevant? When the truth is, is that what we're really saying is I wanna be important. I want people to value me, right? But the truth is, I've got some good news for you. You're already important. Think about this. Certain kids, when they're born, they're just, they're just born into families that are like royalty, right? If you're a Kennedy, you're a big deal. Why? Last name Kennedy. Haven't even done anything. I was just born. But I'm a Kennedy. I'm a Rockefeller, right? If you're an Obama or a Clinton or a Trump or a Bush, I mean, that's like a big deal, depending upon your persuasion. I mean, it's like a big thing. Like, oh my gosh, you're, you're a child of the president or a former president. Whoa, that's a big deal, right? You know, your last name's Ford, you know, your dad started this amazing motor company, whatever it is. I mean, it's like, oh, wow, it's a big deal. I've got some good news for you. You are a child of God. And according to the word of God, that means you are a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That means you are of royal descent. Mar Meghan Markle has nothing on you. You are a big deal already. You were born important. You don't do things to get important. You're already important. You're a big deal. Turn to the person next to you and say, do you know who you're sitting by? Just let them know right now. You're a big deal. It's true. So myth number two, doing more will make more important. No, instead, number two, find your approval in Christ, not activity. Find your approval in Christ, not activity. Now, in both these points, it's not that we don't want to have things or that we don't want to do activities. It's just that they shouldn't drive you to the point of going crazy, thinking, oh, but that's how I'm gonna be happy and that's, and that's how I'm gonna find value. No, you find your value in Christ. Myth number three, life is a competition with other people. This is a huge myth in our culture. Life is a competition, right? You ever seen the Nike shirts, or the Adidas shirts, or Under Armour, or whatever? They all have these shirts that say like, you know, you're their first or your last. <laughs> that is one of the most unhealthy statements you could ever believe in. So if I'm not first place, I'm basically a total loser. Like in my life, that means I've always been a loser. Because I'm hard, I mean, like I know first string existed, but I never saw it. I mean, I knew it was out there, but I never saw it. I mean, like, I, I can't imagine this, but we live in a culture that is so individualistic that we think you're either number one or who cares, right? My kids don't even realize that they're saying this when we watch an NBA game and some player will take a shot and they're like, oh, he stinks, oh, he's terrible. And I'm like, no, 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 he's in the NBA, so it doesn't stink. But if you compare him to LeBron, if you compare him to James Harden or KD or Curry or whoever your favorite players, I mean, well then, yeah, because there's like five of them out of the whole league. 
But it's funny, I have a couple of friends that play professional ball, mainly some guys that, that play football, and they will tell you that a lot of the players complain about this. They're like, well, I don't know why I'm not Tom Brady. Man, I don't know why I'm not J.J. Watt. Man, I don't know and it's like, at some point you want to say to him, like, um, you know you're in the NFL, right? Like, very few people get that. I think maybe you should learn to be pretty happy that you're on the team. Because very few people can do that. But not in our culture. Oh, no. You're either LeBron, you're either Tom Brady, or you're nothing. Can you see the dissatisfaction of this? Then that means we'll all be miserable then. Because, I mean, very few people can be that good at anything. You know, I have to tell you that I've had to learn as a pastor, you know, not to get caught up in what the church was doing and whether we were the best of the best or whatever. I think this church is amazing, by the way. I'm a huge fan of Church Unlimited, I will tell you. I love this place. Giving my life to it. Absolutely adore it. But I will tell you, I've got some pastor friends that I could easily feel a little intimidated by. I mean, I'm just telling you right now. I, I, got, a, I got a, you know, a friend that has a church. He, he's, he's, he's my mentor. His church runs 80,000 people a weekend. So I'm like, how can I not feel intimidated by that? I'm like, oh my gosh, that, that's insane. You know, so it's twice the size of Lakewood. I mean, I, you can imagine, I, I could be very jealous if I compared myself to this guy, I would feel like a loser. Or, or Joel Osteen, I happen to know Joel, I'm not like best friends with him, but I know him. And, and, and I will tell you that, I mean, like, if I go to this church, I'm inspired by it. But I could quickly be like, you know, like, well, what do you do? Well, I'm just church unlimited, I mean. <laughs> down in Corpus Christi. I mean, I could easily kind of run myself down because Lakewood's a very large church. Like, our church will fit in their boys' bathroom. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> And so I, I'm just telling you, if I try to compare myself, I'll be very unhappy. But that's not the way I look at it. I just figure, you know, I mean, I may not be LeBron, but I feel like our church is in the NBA. I, feel like, I think God's hands on our church. Would you agree? So why would I not be happy with what God's doing here? So I just want to encourage you that this whole idea that you got to be number one, biggest, the best, the fastest, the greatest, the prettiest, the, the youngest, the coolest. That's just... That is a fleeting thing. Can I, tell you, I, I hate to break the seed, but there's always someone younger. There's always going to be someone coming along better looking. There's always going to, except for my wife, but there's always going to be people that are better off in certain areas. And you are, and you, if you compare yourself, you'll go crazy. I'm, I'm just trying to help you in this area because it will eat your lunch. And so I want to encourage you, no more comparisons. In fact, here's, by the way, how you overcome jealousy, if you have jealousy. Don't be jealous of them. Be jealous for them. So when I hear something great happens for my mentor, which is every other day, basically, and, you know, he gets some great opportunity. I'm like, hey, where are you? Oh, I can't. You know, I was like, hey, I was going to come see you. We're going to meet this. And this. Oh, I can't. Well, I, I'm speaking somewhere. I was like, oh, okay. So I'm like, oh, where, where are you speaking? There's a Hillsong Conference in Australia. I'm like, oh, okay. Wow. Like, that's unbelievable. You know, like, but it's just casual to him. That's just what he does. And so it's mind-blowing to me. Like, that's the opportunity of a lifetime. I feel like I want a Grammy if I got to do that. But it's just normal for him. But here's the thing. I could either be like, wow, why couldn't that be me? Or instead, I'm like, God, thank you that I get to be friends with this guy and learn from him. Thank you, Lord, that I have him as a friend. Thank you. In other words, like when someone is doing really well in their life and in an area, don't be jealous of it. Learn from it. Does that make sense? Say, God, thank you that I know this person and I can actually learn. If you've got a rich family member, why don't you say, rather being jealous or being frustrated with their money, instead I would say like, hey, listen now sometime. What are you doing? Teach me, oh wise one. Like, I'd like to have a little cash like that too. Could you show me what you're doing? Instead of being jealous of people, be jealous for people. Ladies, if you're single and one of your friends gets engaged, don't pull the thing that all the girlfriends normally do. They go, you know, I just think this is a little fast. I'm not sure if you really know each other. Okay, come on. That just means they got engaged before you did, all right? 
Instead, it's going to be really hard. Put your hands together. I know it's hard. I'm happy for you. I'm so happy. Yeah, I'm happy. If you can choose to be happy for people who are blessed in some area, guess what? That sets you up for the blessing of God too. We have to learn to celebrate people's wins. Don't be jealous of them. Celebrate it. It's a wonderful thing. It's good. I, I, I love Joel. He's amazing. I can't be that happy. I want to be that happy. I just can't, you know, but I celebrate him. That's a good thing. Do you receive it? I know you do. <laughs> it's in the eyes. That's the key. Okay, so life is a competition. This is a myth. So here, here's, let's blow this myth up. Proverbs 14.30 says, a relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. Jealousy rots it away. It really does. And so I want to encourage you, quit comparing yourself to other people. Number three, stop comparing your life to others. Otherwise, you will simply go crazy. And you'll also run around trying to always do, trying to one-up people. It's just, it's no way to live. And so God has way too much for you to be caught up in having to own more stuff all the time, uh, having to always beat everything so you stay relevant and, and, and important, and, and having to compare yourself to other people. So here's what we just did. We just kind of cleared the table, didn't we? Like of all these pressure points, let's just get this off the table. I want to tell you something. Last, yesterday, I was, I was texting a friend of mine, and you know, I kind of mentioned a couple of the guys that mentor me, pastors that I looked up to and things like that. And uh, I'll text them and ask them questions. Well, I have some guys that, that I have a privilege of mentoring too. And I think this is important that we all have this because it helps us grow. I have guys that pour into me and I learn a lot from them. And then I turn around and, and there's pastors that I pour into them. And I, I love doing that. It's, it's really fun. And the older I get, by the way, the more I, it's not really about the, the who's who of who you know. It's more about the young guys coming up that you like pouring into. It's really funny how this changes. There's no, the guy, I could mention them. You probably wouldn't know their names, but man, I know them and I love them. And it's really, you, you will find great meaning in pouring into the next generation. It's a great thing. God, God, I think everyone has been made by God to be a mentor. That's just free. I'm throwing that out for you. And so you want to make yourself happy? Mentor someone. It's a game-changing thing. It really is. And so there, trust me, there are kids everywhere that could use someone to mentor them. There's young people everywhere. And so I encourage you to do that. So this pastor, he calls me up a lot and asks me questions. And, and he texts me sometimes. And so we have a really close relationship. So he texted me the other day, just, just yesterday actually. And he said, hey, what'd you do about this? And he asked me a question about church. And I was like, okay. And so I just shot him back a quick text. He immediately asked me about three other questions about it. And then I kind of dug down. And I said, okay, give me some information so I can answer properly. What, now, what's about this and what about that? Just wanted to kind of get some, some specifics from him, the diagnostics, if you will, of his church. So I said, this is what I would do if I were you. So he, he texts me back and he says, oh my gosh. Wow, pastor, thank you. That means so much. He calls me pastor. He says, wow, thank you. That, that means so much to me. And I was like, hey, you got it, no problem. And then I just quickly shot a text him. I just felt in my spirit that I was supposed to encourage him that this is gonna be a really great summer for him. So I just shot him a text and I just said, I believe that God is writing a great story, Cindy started today, of the miracle he's gonna do in your life and in your church this summer. And I just shot him that text and he was really excited about it, right? So when I shot the text to him, I stopped for a moment and I looked at it and I literally, I, I wish I could say this happens all the time, but it doesn't. But I will tell you, in that moment, I just really sensed the spirit of God come over me. And I was, I just sensed God tell me right then when I texted it to my friend that God told me this is for you and your church too. And so what I want to tell you next was not in my notes I turned in for the bulletin that you have in front of you, but it's something that's fresh that God just gave me. So here's the second message that I have for you today that I really believe is from God. In fact, I don't normally say this very often because I come from kind of a conservative theological background, so some of this language is, is a little new for me, but I want to tell you something. I believe right now I'm about to step into the prophetic. 
I'm convinced that what they're gonna tell you is what's called a rima word from God. Rima means it's a now word for you for this moment. I believe God spoke something in my spirit so powerful that I'm supposed to deliver it to you today. Are you guys ready for that? I believe God has something for you today. So here's what the Lord told me. The Lord really told me that you, if you're running on empties because you're not running with the promise of God, but what you need to be filled up with was, is the very promise of God. And so one of the reasons we run on empty is because God told us something that he was gonna do in our life and we haven't seen it happen yet. So we kind of give up on it. We think, oh, I don't know if that's ever gonna happen for me. And it's just not in the cards. I'm just never gonna get married. It's just not gonna happen to me. I'm never gonna get the bonus or the raise or I'm just not gonna really ever own my own business or I'm never gonna get out of debt or I'm gonna, whatever it is for you. We kind of give up on some things that God has promised us. But I wanna tell you something about the word of God. The word of God is chock full of God's promises. These are all blank checks waiting for you to sign over to yourself. He's given you his promise. And so I want to encourage you that the promises of God stand. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Let me show you a couple of scriptures. Joshua 21, you may want to write some of this down, none of us in your notes. Joshua 21 verse 45 says, not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Everyone was fulfilled. This verse is not just for Joshua and Israel, it's for you and me too. That's why God gave us the Bible. And so God is saying to you today, everything I told you I'm gonna do in your life, I'm still gonna do it. And I believe God brought me here today to tell you that some of you have given up on some dreams and on some goals, on some desires that God put in you that he has promised you and it's time to understand that those promises are gonna be fulfilled not because of how good you are, but because of how good your God is. God will come through for you. He will. I wanna give you another verse on this. 1 Corinthians 1.20 says, for all the promises of God find their yes in him, in Christ. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Amen means, so let it be. That's what that literally means. So we utter our amen. We say, so Lord, what Pastor Bill is speaking over me right now, so let it be. The promise you gave me about my relationship, so let it be. The promise you gave me about my career one day, so let it be. The promise you gave me about my kids, so let it be. I believe God is speaking to you right now. I believe God gave me a prophetic word to give to you. In fact, check out Amos chapter nine, verse 13. It says, yes, indeed, it won't be long now. I believe God is saying it's right around the corner. I believe God is saying it's this summer. You're gonna see the goodness of God in your life this summer. How does that sound? I believe God has something special for you today. I really believe that. Check it out. It says, it won't be long now, God's decree. Things are going to happen so fast your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of the other. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once. And everywhere you look, blessings. Everywhere you look, blessings. God wants to bless your life and he wants to do it now. He says, blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and hills, I'll make everything right again for my people. I believe that God is telling me to tell you this. Number one, be filled with expectation. God will fulfill what he promised for you. God has big things for your life. He does. My daughter, my daughter plays basketball and, and uh, she plays on her junior high team. Now she's going into high school. And I remember before every game, she would say, dad, are you gonna beat my game? And I told her the same thing I always told my boys when they were in junior high and high school and they would ask me the same question. I'd say, of course I'm gonna be there. I wouldn't miss it, when is it? And she would tell me and I would write the date in my planner. In fact, she didn't know, but earlier in the season, we got all the dates and put them in my planner and I started to move everything around so I could make sure I went to those games. How many parents know what I'm talking about right now, right? This is what you do. Now here's the thing, when my children ask their father, will you be at my game? My answer is always the same. Yes, I will be. Under rare circumstance do I miss. So I'm like, no, 
I will beat your game. Now, here's what they don't know. They don't see dad and all the stuff he's doing behind the scenes, how I am moving heaven and earth to get to that game. Can I get an amen? Some of you guys know what I'm talking about, right? So I'm moving staff meetings. I'm canceling flights and trips. I mean, I have canceled TV and, you know, stuff I was doing on TV. I mean, oh, you wouldn't believe. I don't tell them that. I don't want them to carry the weight of that. It's my decision as a father. I put that above everything. So, I mean, I've moved. You wouldn't believe some of the stuff. Actually, you would because you've done it too, haven't you? We move all kinds of stuff to make sure we're there for our kids. Because here's the thing. When my daughter or my sons ask me, will you beat my game? And I say yes, who's the pressure on, them or me? It's on me. I'm the father. It's my job to come through with the commitment that I have made. And so I want to tell you this right now. If I am just a good heavenly father, I feel like I'm a decent one, right? I'm just a good heavenly father and I move heaven and earth to make sure I show up in my kid's life right when they need me there, right when they want me there. Then how about your heavenly father? When he gave you a promise that he was going to show up in your life right when you wanted to be there and you need to know this. When you don't hear God or sense him doing something in your life, that's because he's behind the scenes moving heaven and earth to set everything up because he's going to show up in your life exactly how he said he's going to do. Because that's how good our God is. Somebody's getting excited here because you're now running with the promise of God. I'm fired up. God has big things for you. And it starts this summer. Somebody get excited. I don't hear you. I don't hear you, Rod Field. Where you at, San Antonio? Where you at, Padre? What about West Side? I know that God has promised for each one of you. God has a plan for you. He's spoken to my spirit to speak over you in the name of Jesus that the time is now for the blessing of God in your life. I really believe that. Let me show you another scripture. One last scripture. Deuteronomy 7 verse 22. He's talking once again to Joshua and the people of Israel. It says, the Lord your God will drive out all those nations before you little by little. You will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once or the wild animals will multiply around you, but the Lord your God will deliver them over to you. He says, hey, you're going to get the whole promise land, but just not all at once. You're going to get it in sections, right? Because that's how much you can handle at the time. And so you may say, hold on. You just said, we're going to be overwhelmed with the blessings of God, but now you said it's going to be little by little. No, no, this is what we're trying to say. If you will begin to obey God little by little, then all of a sudden out of nowhere, it'll turn into a flood. All of a sudden out of nowhere, it'll all start to come together and it's seemingly all at once, but that's because you're taking faith steps all along the way. Number two, would you write this down? So believe God enough to take massive action. If you believe God is about to do something big in your life, why are you not preparing for it? If you believe God's about to bring you the man or woman of your dreams, why aren't you at the gym right now? If you believe God's about to do something big in your career, why aren't you getting up there early and getting prepared for the opportunity? If you believe God's about to do something big in your child's life, why aren't you taking them to lunch? If you believe God's about to turn your marriage around, why aren't you setting up that date? If you believe God's about to do something big in your life, then act like it. Take massive action in that area of your life. We have to have the faith and take massive action. Otherwise, listen, this is really important. Do nothing, expect nothing. Do nothing, expect nothing. Do something with expectation, and then God shows up. So I want to challenge you to make sure that you actually do something so God can show up. It's a true story that Lou Holtz was famous for telling to his teammates, uh, to, to his teams in, in, when he was a college coach. There was a high school player that was a second string defensive end for his high school. Wasn't really that good. He was second string, barely went in. Someone got hurt. He'd go in for a few plays. That was about it. In fact, honestly, the coach didn't even know his name. Well, they were having practice one day, and uh, the, someone came out from the field house to give the coach a note. So he took the note, and he read it real quick. He was immediately shocked by the note, because it was really a devastating note. He said, hey, everybody, right, blew the whistle. Come on, come on, everybody, take a knee. 
Everybody, the whole team, take a knee. Helmets off. Give me a second. And he said, Jack, is there a Jack in here? Kid's like, oh, yep, yes, sir. Jack, come on up here. He walks him away from the team. Says, Jack, I need to, I need to tell you something, son. Apparently, your father's been, been sick. Yes, sir, for, for a while. Yes, sir. Jack, I'm really sorry to tell you this, but your father's passed. Boy began to cry. He said, son, I'm really sorry. Tell you what, once you head to the locker room, shower up. Your mom will be here in about an hour. Take all the time you need. Just know your coach is here for you, your teammates, whatever you need, we're here for you. Some of the teammates overheard. They were friends with Jack. Some of them hopped up, ran over, and gave him a big hug. Knew that he'd been struggling with his dad's illness for a while. They walked him in. That next week, they had the funeral. Jack had some of his teammates go. The coach didn't go. Didn't really know Jack that well, but a lot of the teammates went to support him, show some love. That next week was homecoming week. So they're busy practicing again. Hadn't seen Jack in about a week and a half, and that's fine. They expected him to take time with his family. And honestly, he was second string. They were going to be just fine. Well, Jack shows up the day before homecoming for practice. He runs out. He's a little late, but he throws his helmet on. He says, hey, coach, coach, I'm here for practice. Hey, Jack, come over here, man. How, how you doing? He says, come here. How, 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 you, how you feeling? And coach, I'm okay. Good, good for you. How's your, how's your mom doing? She's, she's, she's all right. He says, it was good to see you, son. You know, you don't have to come. No, no, no coach, I, I want to be here. Great. Well, we're glad you're here. Go get it. Go get in the game. Let's do this. Let's, let's, let's practice. So he says, hey, coach, before I, before I go, can I ask you one question? Whatever you need. Hey, coach, I know it's homecoming and all, but um, I don't have to start. I mean, I know I'm not a starter, but do you think you could put me in the game at least one play? Oh, um, and Jack, I don't know how to tell you this, but, you know, I've already told the whole team that, you know, we're playing our crosstown rival and it's probably going to be a tough game. They're really good. And I've already told all the second stringers they probably won't see playing time. He says, Coach, I, I, just, I just want one play. I don't want to start. Just, just, just one play. Coach is like, how, how do you say no to this, right? So he says, you know what? Uh, yeah, you'll get your play. Oh, thanks, Coach. Appreciate that. Thank you so much. Goes out to practice. Game happens the next day, and first quarter happens, and it's a pretty tight ball game. They're both scoring on each other, kind of going back and forth, trading touchdowns. Second quarter, same thing. They go in the locker room. Game's tied up. And uh, Jack is right there by the coach the whole time. He's like, yep, I see you, you know, and so he really wanted to go in. And so after the halftime, big uh, talk, you know, that he gave the whole team, we can do this, come on, guys, gets them all fired up. They're all heading out, and Jack kind of stays back with the coach. He, he's, he's the last one out normally, and he's like, you okay, Jack? He's like, yeah, coach, I just, I just, I, please, please remember. And he goes, I, I didn't forget, son, I, I know. And he turned to his assistant coach and said, yes, I know, Jack, we have promised you one play. The assistant coach is like, got it. So that way he, he'd remember. So they go out in the third quarter, doesn't go as they wanted at all. In fact, the team gets up two scores on them, and now they're losing. In fact, actually, it's, it's towards the end of the third, so he's like, mm, I don't know if we're going to pull this off or not. I guess I can put Jack in. So he looks over his coach and says, all right, let the boy play. Jack's so excited. He runs in, you know, he's so excited. Thanks, coach. Thanks, coach. Runs in there, puts his helmet on. And uh, coach thought, eh, I'll give him a play, maybe, maybe two. You know, I mean, what, how much damage could the kid do? You know, it's just, just one or two plays. Well, the first play... All of a sudden, they run the ball to his side. The kid totally stops and tackles 
the, 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 the quarterback, it was the quarterback saying, tackles them on the spot. They're like, whoa, who was that? They're like, coach, that was Jack. What? You're kidding me. He goes, yeah. So Jack starts to run off. He's like, no, 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 stay in the game. Stay in the game. Stay in the game. <laughs> so the next play, he again stops things up when it comes to his side. About the third play in, the running back's got the ball. He runs around to Jack's side. Jack hits him so hard, it knocks the ball out of his hands. He stumbles, picks up the ball, and runs it in for a touchdown. The place goes crazy. And, of course, the coaches are like, who is this kid? And so, again, now, you know, once again, offense is off field, defense is back on. Jack is like, you know, thinking I'm not playing. He goes, no, 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 go on the game, go on the game. Because he's playing, you know, out of his socks. It's incredible. So all of a sudden, again, he's stopping everything coming to his side of the field. I mean, if they come, they just know, don't even run over there. That kid's going to stop us. No one could get past him for the rest of the game. They actually came back and won the game. And all these kids saw how amazing he played. They were high-fiving them. They were so excited. They were like, wow, that was incredible, you know, just amazing. So they're all heading to the locker room after the big win to celebrate. They're going to shower up, go, go to the big homecoming dance. The coach says, hey, Jack, before you get out of here, come by and see me. Says, yes, sir, I'll do that. So as the kids are all filing out, excited for their plans for the rest of the night, Jack stops by. He says, Coach, you, you, you want to see me? He says, yeah, come in here a second. Jack, listen, I don't mean to offend you, but I don't know who that was out there. I never saw that kind of talent or aggression out of you before. What got into you? He says, well, Coach, um, there's something about my dad you really didn't know. A number of years ago, his illness uh, took his sight. So today was the first day my dad got to watch me play. Here's the truth. I believe God brought you here today because he wants you to know that he is a good father. And he is cheering you on. And he wants you to know that he is in your corner. And when he said he's going to show up, he's going to show up. And so you need to play for an audience of one. Take the pressure off. It doesn't matter what other people think. It matters what God thinks. Are you honoring God with your life, living your best for him? That's what counts. That's what matters. Live for him. Would you bow your heads with me across all of our campuses? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Would we take a moment to pray? Maybe today was for you. How many of you today, today would say in this prayer time, wow, pastor, you have no idea how bad I needed that. God gave you that message for me today. If that's you, would you lift your hand high and just acknowledge that God's speaking to you today? Praise God. There are hands going up across all of our auditoriums. I see that hand in the back of Rodfield right now. God's moving, I know. I sensed it. I can see it. God's doing something special right now at the west side. Listen to me right now. God's doing something at all of our campuses. I sensed it when it happened. I was literally in tears before I even preached the first sermon this weekend. I knew God's hand was on this. I'm not that good. He is. Will you just take a moment and say, God, thank you that you're filling me with your promise again. I don't need to give up. I need to believe again for the things you told me you'd do in my life. I'm going to live like it. I'm going to believe for it. I'm going to take massive action. This week, today, I start filled up with the promise of God. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is your opportunity. God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. He paid the price for you at the cross and he rose again from the grave proving that he is God. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, you can receive Christ as your Lord and your Savior right now by praying this very simple prayer with us. Would you pray this out loud with me? You can say, Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for me. 
You paid the price for my sin and you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.